1: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter-shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: Hello everybody, welcome back to the Two Hours podcast. Uh, as always, I am joined by my good friend Timmy Dan. Hi hey everyone. Um, and this week we have—he's uh, not just a nori, he's from Knockit. Yeah. Uh, Chris Kent, how's the farm, Chris? Good, thanks. How are uh, you? Great, thanks for coming down to meet us. Unfortunately, we're not in Churchfield. I know. Anymore, yeah. but socially distanced, you can't yeah, reach exactly. me can't meet you. But um, at least we can continue in this beautiful space. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks again to Sharon Dunholm Media Life. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've transformed the studio. Um, fuck you, Logan Paul. And Jay, <laughs> uh, what's the other fool, Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan, yeah, yeah. we yeah. got pure inspired by the yeah. of them. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're doing it for ourselves. But um, how's the format show? boy? was the crack
3: Good, yeah, yeah. It's nice to be nice to be back in Ireland and doing yeah. things like this. Like, you know. Yeah.
2: And like you're well known, obviously, around where we, we're from and, and beyond. But maybe a lot of people listening won't know you. Yeah. So where are you, uh, where are you from and what was the crack for you growing up and how did you get into doing what you are doing today?
3: Um, I'm Chris Kent, I'm a comedian from Knock Nahini, and very unlikely fella to go into comedy, very introverted as a kid, as a teenager even and uh, I just started doing it, like I'll tell you, Des Bishop did a show in our... In our Joy in the Hood? Yeah. yeah, and I knew people on it and then I went and I watched them right. Do co- and it blew my mind because I'd never seen normal people do comedy. It didn't even occur to me that mm. normal people would do it. And I mean, normal people, I mean, like, all I knew of before that was Tommy Tiernan or Des Bishop or David Adarte. I didn't even know much about comedy, really. Mm. But I I just had an itch as soon as I saw them doing it. There's no it.
2: comedians from, from where we're from, does there?
3: No, not really. Well, there is, like, yeah, loads no. of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Everyone's a comedian. <laughs> <or> if, <laughs> they need a few drinks, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's like, <laughs> fucking hell. We have the best comedians,
2: but I suppose yeah. none, what, you see on telly?
3: No, 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 there wasn't, no. Oh. Um, but I, I just said, fuck it, I'll give it a go, like, you know. Fucking
2: hell. I remember yeah. when his bishop was in Ocknagheny at the time, it was cool, that for people, uh, people will be familiar with it. He was in, uh, he was in all the nice areas. He was. in, he was. in Myros, yeah, June, yeah, Ross, Tune. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and he was up in Kilmore Road, by before the shopping he was, yeah, 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 yeah. and it was a big thing at the time. It was. And I remember they on done a show, was it in St. Vincent's? Yeah, I was at it. Yeah. I um, went to watch it. What's that man from the back road, Pat? Pat O'Shea did yeah, it. Jamie O'Shea
3: the- did it. Kevin Goldsmith did it. That's right, yeah. I do else did I know? There was a young fella called Cheddar or something. It was a it successful
2: uh, situation, wasn't it? It was very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did, did
0: everybody from the show go on to be key comedians I, and something?
3: Yeah, a lot of them did. Yeah, but I don't think there's many of them doing it now. Like you know, I think Eric, Eric, and Willa from Dublin. I could be wrong now, but I think they're the only two still doing it. Eric Lawler and Willa White from Ballymun. They're the only two still on the circuit, as far as I'm aware. And Brilliant. yeah, they did it for I did it for years with those lads though. I like you know, I went yeah. into pubs in town and watched them, and I was like Tommy Tiernan. and no one like that inspired me. It was someone like that I'd never heard of getting mm. up trying to do comedy, whether they were good or bad. It was very inspiring to me going, Look at them, Jesus Christ! and yeah. I had a little itch, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's
2: kind of similar to what we're trying to do here, yeah, in terms of getting people out of drugs and all that madness. Is like. We're not anything special, or we're not in, on the television. We're actually just normal fellas in the community that were yeah. able to do it. Yeah, and it's, it's similar. That's like, more inspiring well, than anything, I exactly think. because you you know them, yeah. like, and it's from the area and fucking hell. If you can be a comedian, I can be a comedian. If Timmy can be well, a construction manager, I can be and whatever. You know, so yeah. it's great. Um, so you you got inspired there and how, how, did, how did it manifest itself how did it uh,
3: so you start off comedy is like you start off someone will give you five minutes like in a little club you know and so I was doing it for a hobby there for a good while secretly dreaming like I'd love to do this for a living you know that's what I was genuine I wasn't afraid I was afraid to tell anyone but I was going I'd love to do this for my full time job like you know um, and my dream came true because I lost my job really more than yeah. <laughs> more than getting a break in comedy the crash happened there in 2007 or whatever yeah, was it 2008. And I lost my job as an electrician. And at that time, I was just starting to make a small bit of money off comedy. So I stopped. Uh, I couldn't get work. I was looking for work everywhere. And I couldn't get any uh, electrical work. Yeah. And then I just started focusing on comedy. And, you know, you start off doing five minutes like you'd have to drive to Belfast to do ten minutes for, for no money. Mm. just and I loved it I never even had an issue with it drove up to Derry and drove back in the same night mm. just to do five minutes in front of a crowd buzzes and you'd be buzzing the whole way back like depending yeah. on and even if it doesn't go well it's still like you can't wait to do it again to yeah. right the wrong you know I suppose you're over you're after overcoming that fear as well yeah as on stage yeah and weirdly enough I still would have been an introverted and I still am to a certain extent around people like uh, you know just in general uh, but on stage I couldn't you know i'm very relaxed now uh you no know,
2: because you're you're a comedian and you're so um outgoing on stage as you said yeah do you think when you meet people um off stage do do they expect you to behave in a certain way but you're not like that off stage yeah
3: they do yeah yeah uh, that's and that's a that's a dose for any comedian and someone says, tell us a joke, you're funny, or this. Yeah, yeah. And it's like they're fucking putting you on the spot somewhere, like yeah. in work or outside a church or something. You're like, what the fuck do you yeah. really think is going to happen there? not that there? funny at all. Maybe. I'm not going to just start going, all right, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I'm going to fucking take a microphone out of my pocket. Yeah, I know, yeah. Or um, a joke book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hold <laughs> on a second there now. Google it, like. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, I can uh, imagine. Not too much, but most people understand then. And then you get the odd people who are into comedy and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm you know, this comedian and that comedian, like, you know. Yeah, because it's an act, and you yeah. have to get into the zone, you know I mean? Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit, yeah, of yeah, yeah. The conditions have to be right in that. Yeah, exactly, the conditions definitely have to be right. It's very delicate yeah. for comedy to be like, that was a banging show, now that yeah. was. Everything has to be, yeah. fall in. And does uh, it take a lot of preparation? Um, do you write your material? I do, yeah, I write everything. So I write, you were at that one of the shows there, now that would have been my seventh show i think so it's seven hours like the last couple of years like from you know yeah like i said you start off in five minutes and back then i wasn't really writing everything i don't know what i was doing in the beginning mm. i was terrible like but you have a bit of delusion there that you need to mm. keep going you know yeah. and i got a small bit better and a small bit better and then i was starting to kind of get you know bumped up like mm. you get five then you get 10 then you get 15 then some of my hands are 20 euros and you're like fucking hell! I'm making a bit of money here now. Like, yeah, you're then, professional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. no, I don't tell it at all, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> someone else did anyway. That's another story. Uh, when I was doing fuck all, really, someone reported me for being on social welfare, and they saw me do a gig somewhere. Yeah. Like, and they were like, "Oh, I'll fucking..." Do you get big Rogers? Yeah, well, obviously you do. Like, I don't know who that person
2: was, but mm. We're a great country for begrudging people. Yeah, but you know, coming from an area where it's not typical to do what you're doing. Yeah. Did you ever, in the early days, come across people like, "What the fuck are you doing, boy?" You know, or was your yeah. friends ever sceptical? I you ever hate kind it. Of put off it.
3: I hit it very well, like, because I didn't even tell people I was doing comedy for a very long time. As a matter of fact, even when I was doing it, I wasn't telling people when I was on the telly and everything, I didn't even tell my my mother. And she texts me and goes, were you on the fucking telly last night? And I was like, I was. But I never told her. (laughs) I was doing something like the Craig Doyle show, but I was just afraid of it going wrong. So I didn't bother telling anyone. And then there was like, we saw Christopher on the telly. And she was like, what? And then, you know. I don't know about begrudgers. I think Ireland is, and Cork especially, well, I know, I know, from, um, they're more supportive than there are begrudgers, really. I
2: learned that lately. You know. And when you're putting yourself out there in the public eye, yeah. you will get people that will try and take it on, But that's of course, the yeah. trade-off for all the positive feedback yeah. you get too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, what was the highlight of your comedy career so far? So
3: far, I'd say the Everyman last year. We sold out the Everyman in Cork last year for the first time. And that was... Um, unbelievable buzz and you Mm. could really feel the love in the room like you know Mm. like genuinely because I did it the year before and it nearly sold out it was about 100 off or something Mm. and I never imagined that in my life it was like capacity 650 people and brilliant I I know like I did like the year before I got like 500 in or something you know and the year before that I did I think Crane Lane which is about a 100 and the year before that I did uh, a small room in the opera house which is like 80 and they all sold out But then they saw me opening for someone in the the Everyman, and I was looking for a new venue, slightly bigger. And the people in the Everyman were like, do the main room. And I was like, not a chance. I was really afraid of... Mm -hmm. I was mortified. I was going, fuck it, if no one turns up, it's going to be a disaster, you know? But then my agent in Dublin was like, look, just do it, and we'll do the stalls downstairs, right? We'll just open the stalls, and we won't sell any tickets upstairs, it's 300 people down or whatever you're already selling 100 if they're half full it'll be great and then it just you know it just started snowballing a small bit and yeah. the following year it sold out and I filmed it and put it on RT it's on the RT player there yeah. but I'd say that's there's a few tough ones the, the, the everyman
2: as well it's such a beautiful venue with the history behind beautiful. it and it's a landmark and yeah. It's you know there's so much history attached to that venue. Mm. Um we got a small bit of a gig there uh, with a hundred hundred guests. Yeah. yeah. Um, but lockdown fucked it up. But uh yeah, yeah. we got a small yeah. we got a smaller one then in the keynote Oh yeah, 40, yeah, and that so got locked in. Yeah. We all sold that out in an hour. Yeah, yeah. Forty people But <laughs> you
0: well, you know for, for comedians, you know when they overcome that anxiety on stage yeah. do
3: they actually get better
0: Chris? You know, oh yeah as they get
3: more confident 100% do their, do their kind of comedy act get better? yeah even the ones that are shit at it yeah. <laughs> even no. the ones that I don't think are like maybe subjective no like but I'm, people that are not funny at all mm-hmm. you can yeah. see them getting better at, at doing it Yeah, everything stage presence holding the mic not stuttering or getting dry mouth or anything like that you know and that's just from being up there being up there and five, up there yeah 10, 20 times when i started doing it like i would physically throw up yeah. before it sometimes like i remember going to gigs in galway mm. and i'd be on my way to the venue and i didn't know how to uh control these nerves like mm. and i would physically get sick like and mm. my wife was with me at the time she was like "Fuck," all. but i'd do the gig then and i'd be a massive high like you know, mm. afterwards. Mm. But down through the years I got less and less nervous. Um, I still get nerves the odd time and I think yeah. that's good. Get a few nerves, like, you know. Yeah. Um but not, not not really at all. I yeah. I've no no gigs at all really. I'd be like happy to jump on anywhere. Like whether it's the roughest looking gig ever or the best looking gig ever, I would'd be like, oh, yeah. I'll go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Exactly you do badly you die in your hole and you get a story out of it that's mm. my you yeah. get a story about, a funny story about how they hated you in this place you know mm. yeah.
0: just every year we go on walk you know there's a big group of us we go and there's two two or three fellas like they're really right comedy acts like yeah yeah we have the great crackers we go camping as well and Tommy's one of them and Caleb and Caleb so oh yeah they're, they're very funny Yeah, us. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> You just you'd be on your walk and you'd be listening to the D's They'd be telling stories from when we were all using and drinking yeah. and around the place and whatever. They laugh that way. Oh yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you there, know, so like my point is, is guys like that, if they ever took up comedy, they'd yeah. be absolutely fantastic. Oh, they'd be book, unreal at us, you know. So I
2: wonder. Uh, I wonder would a, a naturally funny man make a good comedian? Does it translate or does I it, think, is there is there more to it?
3: No, I think they do, yeah. I think it's a template for a very funny bit, like most yeah. of the bits I had down through the years when the funny story is there already. If that's there already Yeah the less you have to do to it, the funnier yeah. it is. They're just fine
2: tuning how you do. Yeah,
3: the less you have to do to it. I'll is working out the timing and mm. working out how you're gonna say it and you know? Yeah. Like, I'm I, i I'm kind of fortunate enough, like, I would have been introverted, but I've been always very observant of things going on around me, like, my mum and dad are fucking hilarious, my brother, Evan and Attenhiney, but I've been quietly watching them, <laughs> and going, taking it all in, and yes. taking an angle on it, and yeah, then writing yeah. it down on the page, and going and, and saying it out loud, like, yeah, you know? Yeah, I say yeah. I was introverted now, but between a small group of friends, I'd have been happy to... be funny and you know but I definitely wouldn't have been a class clown or anything like that
0: yeah Uh, from the gig we were at um, in the keynote oh yeah yeah I thought one of the funniest bits there was when you spoke about when your parents come in at one or two o'clock oh, in the yeah, morning. Yeah. Call- come on, come down for the chips! Yeah. Come yeah. on! Yeah. I, I yeah. Think totally, you're totally with that. Like <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only, only come to
2: Ireland or country in
0: the world yeah. where you get woken up for chips. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: At two or three o'clock in the morning, I
2: come yeah. down
3: for the chips. And yeah. The, yeah. I thought I thought that was hilarious. Even uh, as a kid, like I was like, this is mental. Like, yeah. what are you
0: doing waking us up like? I, oh, but a, you, when you said it, it brought back. Jesus brought back a lot of memories.
3: You know. But you'd never think of it yeah. and then when he said it he was like fucking hell that was totally because of my house too <laughs> yeah. I, d- I don't know I think, I think I thought about it because I have kids now and they're yeah. so h- health is such a conscious thing yeah. and then I started just reflecting on my own childhood and I was like oh this wasn't thought of at actually. At yeah, yeah, yeah. the thought of actually doing my up here so I was like that yeah. would not happen today. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> oh. you're trying to be as quiet as you can so they don't wake up yeah.
2: Yeah. I was at uh, Tommy Ternan down at the Marquee in 2018 I suppose 2019 maybe and he got a heckler. Oh, yeah. Um, he dealt with it well. No, he could have went bad on her. Right. She was langles drunk and she yeah. was a pity. Yeah. But um, she gave him a lot. She made it very difficult for him.
3: Yeah. How do you deal with that?
2: I've do been you there. Get
3: it? I do get it. And it's fucking honest to God, it's a disaster. It can be really. See, a heckler is one thing, right? A heckler interacts and you can respond. Someone that's drunk just keeps interrupting. They don't even know they're interrupting. That's, that was the case so you here. You can't put them down. You and can put them down once or twice and get a laugh. Yeah. And then they get offended and then they try and come back at you. And they're like, well, I'm going to get him now, you know. Mm.
2: Sometimes security deal with it. Well, that was <laughs> what I was going to say there. Yeah. In this case, right, this woman kept on interrupting him. And she was lying. I was drunk now. Yeah. Um, security needed to come over and take her out, but they didn't. Yeah. And they left her there for the whole show. And Tommy, you can see Tommy... He's getting into different jokes and different stories. And he's always distracted always by her. It's always his head that yeah. nah, she's yeah. going to kick off any minute now. Yeah. Um, no, and he's worse. just thought like, that's one
3: fucking hour job. It's the worst thing of it, it, that can happen in a gig. It's like, you cannot move on. Because all are calling your eye, you're like, there they are now. They're fucking talking to their friend now. They're on their phone now. And any time you're not doing anything, you need to be 100% in a bit of comedy. You need to be 100% in there telling the story Otherwise, it's not as efficient. Like you know, mm. it's not as good. Yeah. Um. I've had problems with it. Some venues are much better than others. Some venues, the bunksters are probably a bit too uh, aggressive, and they'll come over and f- shove a fella, and he be like, he barely opened his mouth, mm. like. Mm. And other venues, are like, are brilliant at it. Like there's venues there in Scotland called the Stand Comedy Club, and you go down the stairs, and they're like, everywhere, it's like, don't talk when the acts are on. It's like, mm. and the person on the door taking your tickets, is like. Don't be talking during the show, mm. and then another person, and there's no big bouncer. It's like one of the bar staff will go over and kind of whisper the lads, have two more warnings now, and you'd have to go." Like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and it's mm. brilliant. Yeah, that's and the best way. Oh, the comedians love gigging there because it's so well dealt with. Like you know, yeah. But having to deal with it yourself, I've had to deal with it myself in rooms where there was no security at all, and it got borderline aggressive once or twice with mm. people with me, and that's fucking. Fucked. Yeah, that's, that's Fucked. Because yeah. I'm there trying to make the crowd laugh but there's a fella or a girl that literally trying to go. fight me like, <laughs> and I'm like one half of my body is like am I going to be dodging a fucking puncher and the other part of me is like trying to make the crowd laugh. Uh,
0: that's like, a th- I was only thinking that there while you were saying it. It's know, hard. When like, you have someone giving you shit yeah. and uh, out in the audience, and you're trying to deal with them, and also
3: make everybody laugh at the same time. That's a tough thing to you, do. You have aggression, and your aggression fighting something else in yourself, yeah. and you're like, you know, and like um,
2: because you're a funny man, they think, "Oh, we slag the fuck, or we make life difficult for him." No, See, people don't, they, don't in get December, it. But like, then you knock him spark out in yeah, another setting Yeah, <laughs> people don't
3: get it. Like, and it's like also. Uh, you also, what, I was, what I'm always unbelievably conscious of is when it starts annoying other people, that's when it starts to bother me. Mm. So that's what I mean, make judgments, right? I'd go, if there was a fella kind of chatting now and I could barely hear him and I was in a good flow and the show was going well, I'd be like, it's not worth interrupting the show now to find out he's just explaining something to his buddy yeah, yeah. about the show. But it's when they're constantly chatting and then you can see people around them going, That starts to wreck my head then. So then I I go, sorry, you're annoying. The people around you there are, Mm -hmm. you know, if they heck, it'll try and be funnier than them. And if you're not, you just say, fair play, like, and then, you know. But I've had to get people thrown out of my gigs, and it's like, on my own, like, you kind of have to almost get the crowd to do for you. Mm. You know, Mm. I remember it happened in Edinburgh there one year. There was six girls, six young ones from north of Ireland, right? And they were just hammered straight away. I was looking through the curtain. And I was going out, and I was like, "Fucking hell, they're fucking." And yeah. my show was like half a half hour in the day, and I was like, "Nah, <laughs> they're they're going to be." I just knew straight away they're going to be hard work, like yeah, and they were I, chatting and chatting. And yeah, I was on the you know the two jannies. Oh yeah, yeah. I was
2: yeah. on their podcast there a few months ago. I know, but uh, the same week they had a, sh- a show on the TV. They were over and fucking. RT paid for them to go to Australia or LA. America, wasn't it? America, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they were doing this gig, they said, we were doing this gig, right, and fucking half, 12 on a Sunday afternoon in a pub with Laurie Yanks sitting down eating their lunch yeah. and we were telling our GA jokes and there was nobody getting it. They said, there was two, three <laughs> Irish fellas down in the back of Langhurst and that's what kept us going. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. says, but like, sometimes you have to go in like, because they didn't get to decide where they were going. Mm. They were told where they were going, and it didn't fit with what they were doing. But you're not going to fucking refuse RT. You know, no, you're not going to give an hour on TV, sure, like But, like, when the crowd didn't get in there, I'd say it could be very hard to keep going, you know. And it you, is. It could be very disheartening.
3: It is, but what I started doing, like, I'm doing comedy about 15 years now, and I used to take them things very personally. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be all right now, to be fair. I'd only have a couple of war stories, and I'd have a couple of funny ones as well, and I went... That went so bad, fucking hilarious. (laughs) Not when it's happening, but afterwards, I'm like, that would be telling other comedians about how bad I was doing. (laughs) And I was just like, this was fucking so bad. Like, I was dying on my arse, like, no one laughing, staring at me, staring (laughs) at me. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, I was very hard on myself because I did a gig one night in Dublin now that was about 30 people there. And there was a big crowd in, and they, they didn't have very much English. And I was like, what could you do with that anyway? It's like, there's about nine people here and the rest can't understand what I'm yeah. saying, literally. Yeah. I was going to ask
2: you, and that actually, not the, the language part, but how do you find your, your, your um, humour translated in different cultures?
3: Um, it seems to be all right. I'm anecdotal-like. I don't really have any strong Irish references. I did, always did very well in the UK, like you know. Yeah. I did gigs in, in, in England, obviously, I was living there for six years. I did gigs in uh, Australia, the Middle East, America, all over Scandinavia, and never really had an issue. Never had an issue. That's and always people ask, actually, fucking, do they understand you? Mm. And I'm like, do you understand me? We're yeah. not having a problem. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can understand me perfectly. It's always other people that speak English, and you're like, there's no issue here between me and you. Why would there be an issue yeah. between... But like, you,
2: you speak very well, anyway. You're very clear-spoken, and you don't yeah, have a
3: Yeah, exactly. You speak very slow. But then some people would be like, that's the strongest accent I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, <laughs> it fucking isn't. No, definitely yeah. not. Go up to Clannogal. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly, <laughs> yeah. No, it isn't. Definitely not. I just start speaking slow, because... I was actually very concerned and very conscious about that. So I ended up in Dublin and I was like, I hope people understand me up here. Because when I started comedy, I did speak a lot faster. Yeah. And then I started speaking slower. And then I started telling stories and it kind of lent itself to it. Mm. And then I just never sped up. Mm. And even in England sometimes, uh, you know, not, not just England, but I'd feel like they want a bit of a punchline, punchline, punchline. Mm. And they get a little bit impatient. Yeah. But I'd, I'd even just start slowing down more then yeah. just to annoy them. A small no. bit. I'd yeah. be like yeah I'll do, I'll, I know you want me to get to the punchline and I can get there in another but I'll actually just add another bit on now yeah. to annoy you <laughs> another detail yeah. that you don't want yeah. but
2: and tell me about Covid Covid has impacted on the oh, more than anywhere massively um, what's it like for you and your colleagues yeah. and your friends And
3: oh it's a disaster honest to god it's like fucking so I was doing comedy about 15 years now I think since I'm 21 I well, started doing full time in two thousand and nine. I got no, I got back from Australia. I went to Australia for a year in two thousand eight. So I'm doing comedy since two thousand fifteen, pretty much as a hobby for the first couple of years. But always, like i said, wishing you know. Got back from Australia in two thousand and seven, two thousand eight. Sorry, and got about a month's work electrical and was told there's nothing else there. Big crash, looking the whole time. So like I said to you, like I just started from the bottom of comedy. Doing 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. I wanted to be like one of the best 10-minute acts in the country. When that's all I was given. Mm. I was like, I want to be better than any other 10-minute acts. And then when I got to 15 minutes, I was like, I want to be the best one of them. And then I was like, I want to be the best support act. And then I was like... Then you headline clubs. And I was like, I want to build myself up and be one of the best headliners and one of the most sought-after headliners. Mm. And then fucking solo shows. And then it was like, can I even write an hour? And then you do an hour. I was like I want to be one of the best at my own show then you do another one and I had been doing that for seven years I'd say yeah seven I was on my seventh show or something seventh hour like and and then I felt it really building I felt yeah. it like going this is kind of nice like yeah. I, I did a tour four years ago about eight shows around Ireland two of them were pulled the venues weren't great now, like cause they didn't fucking put up posters or in one case they weren't even selling tickets. But I was learning the whole time, right? So yeah. I had eight shows. My first tour, and my second tour, I had about 14 shows. And my third show, I'd like, you know, I was getting slightly bigger every year. Yeah. But I was writing a new show every year, like, and it takes a lot of work. You go away for a year to write a show. As soon as your show is done, you're like, right, I need to, I need to, I can't go back to the everyman with the same hour. You need a brand new hour. Go and you start writing it. You go up to Edinburgh, that might cost you money, like you know. Mm. Um, and I felt like last year selling out to every man, and in twenty twenty there it was already nearly sold out. You were on the cusp of something really. Yeah, amazing. and Vicar Street in Dublin as well. That was another massive one. That was yeah. one of my dreams to play that venue. That was yeah. like fucking. I supported comedians up there like Bill Burr and you know, been on massive bills up there. And I was like, it'd be amazing to do this someday, and I did it. And I have a lot of support in the comedy world like mm. from other comedians they always go if i fucking share something or do something everyone jumps on board and i really feel it and i appreciated it so all that was happening and then i was like this is fucking going great and i'm moving back to ireland because the tour was getting bigger mm. and then covid happened and i was like i was just have to come back from australia actually in january i went out there for a month to write this show the Christie doesn't live here one and uh bought my family with me had a fucking brilliant time came back did about three weeks of my irish tour and, and i was you in,
2: on uh, blind boys i was on blind podcast, boys podcast over there as well yeah? Uh, yeah and
3: it was great unbelievable like actually loads of people from that just at that gig then started coming into my yeah. so i was doing a solo show every day like i was trying to work it up you know yeah. i was doing loads of gigs actually i was doing fucking best of irish english irish scotsman fucking best of british and everything i was like <laughs> fuck it i'll do anything Uh, And I used to be like joking about that because I was mad into rebel music and everything and as a teenager like and now I was doing best of British over there. uh, (laughs) It's all about the money. All about the money and it was great crack I used to be like I'm doing best of British and I clearly wasn't British like and I'd be opening every night and they'd be like. They're (laughs) they're normally happy to claim our talent. Yeah exactly that's true. I went, uh, oh, I, you, I'm not British, like, you know. Yeah. And Do you
0: know, it, when you started off, Chris, um, as a comedian, was there any comedian that you looked at and you wanted to be the same as, or did you just want to be your own uh, kind yeah. of develop?
3: I never, yeah. I always was in awe of loads of comedians, yeah. and I mass- I loved, like, Tommy Ternan, Dylan Moran, uh, there's a few American comedians, and Patrice O'Neill, he's he's dead now but he's amazing yeah. right and there's loads of community but I never wanted to be like anyone I never mm. thought I can do that or yeah. I can do that that's yeah. why I was saying to it was the fellas that were open spots and the fellas that never did it in their life inspired me because I was like oh fuck it I don't have to be because it's a big jump to see Tommy Tiernan and go I'll do that yeah. Yeah. Whereas when you see someone going, Oh, yeah. that's another uh, whatever, like just has a day job and it's doing it. Yeah. It's a lot easier, you know.
2: If you're watching like um, you no, know, when you ask Chris that question, I'm thinking like who's my favourite okay. comedian, you know? Yeah. yeah. And when I think Eddie Murphy, raw, I just fucking yeah. laughed myself. You yeah, know? Yeah, Eddie yeah. Murphy's amazing, like Unbelievable, and, like, like. Just fucking so funny, right? Yeah. So so good, you know, and it's the years ago yeah. now, like but uh Eddie murphy but I can imagine if you're looking at Eddie Murphy-Raw and he's on the stage in Madison Square Gardens with fucking 20,000 people. Yeah. Um, it, it's a very unrealistic. You know it's unrealistic. When, it bring, when it's brought it to your own neighbourhood, then it's like, fucking hell, this is here for me too. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and I just delved in and I was quietly doing it for a while. I was quietly going, working really hard at it, like I said, writing it, building it up every year. Fucking Got a small bit of telly, but I never really got a break break. Yeah. And, but I could still feel it. I was building the work from life because I was talking to people after the everyman or whatever. I talked to people after shows and they're like, we saw you in City Limits or we saw you in the crack house or we saw you in the cat laughs. And they were coming back to see me again and again. And I was just getting comfortable. And then in March, I was on my way back because I knew the COVID thing was happening. and I wasn't a shock. Mm. But in March, we were all kind of thinking, my agent who was booking the shows for me was like, it's probably only going to affect... The venues that are over 500 that was the kind of number they were going all the gigs that are over 500 indoors are going to be pulled are likely to be pulled and i was about a week out from the everyman three weeks out from Vicker street mm-hmm. and i was like okay I, I i kind of anticipated they might be pulled and i'd still be disappointed but then when it happened and everything went they were like there's no point don't bother oh. coming home i was like fuck Cause it was like i had already spent the money in my head as well yeah, and like yeah. i needed that money for the everyman and for the vicker street and i'd been a year working and writing the show and promoting the show and all the all the hard work was done i was really enjoying doing the show as well mm-hmm. you know so it was a big old fucking blow initially. Mm. I was like, fuck, that's a disaster. Yeah. But we didn't know how bad it would be either no, at the same time. So I was rescheduling gigs for later in the summer. And then it was like, right, that's not going to happen. And then the autumn. And now their next autumn, this autumn. Thank please God, you never know. Mm. But uh, but yeah, for a couple of weeks there, I was. it was a hard, a hard hit.
2: And you're, you're lucky in the sense that you had your electrician trade to fall back on. I did. I imagine there's other comedians out there and people in that, All they have is their talent. Loads of them. And they haven't got a secondary source of income.
3: Loads of my friends. I mean, I'm doing it 15 years. I have good friends that are doing it longer than that, 25 years. It's all they've done. And like me, I solely made my work off live gigs. I didn't do any writing or voiceovers or an offer. I just just didn't get them, really. That was me. I hung everything on that, which Mm. was a bad thing in a way, to be honest. Mm. I think I put too much into it as well, comedy down through the years. A little bit too much of me went into it. Put all my self-worth into it. And, you know, at times didn't enjoy something I fucking loved doing. Mm. At all, like, at all. Um, I enjoyed the gigs, but it was like the money pressure was always a little bit like, oh, bollocks, this is a fucking load of shit, you know. Do you ever
2: think about starting your own podcast or maybe doing it online, kind of Insta Insta stuff?
3: Yeah, definitely, 100%. Mm. I was thinking about a podcast for a long time. I had been doing a podcast with a friend of mine who sadly passed away last about a year and a half ago in a car hard. crash. So we were doing something together. It was a lovely man called Billy Anderson. He was an American comedian, very, very funny, like, you know. But sadly, he passed away. And uh, so I've always been trying to fucking get something else out there. Mm. But uh, for me, though, I was always very focused on comedy. I was like, stand up is where it's at. I'll do a new hour every year, or I'll build it up slowly. My plan was kind of an organic route, but it was working, like. So I thought, it's working, Mm. and why not, like, you know, keep going with it. But looking back now, I definitely put way too much into it. I fucking hung everything on it. And I was like, when things were going bad, or when I didn't get something, I took it very badly, like, you know. Mm. But, like you said, yeah, I had a trade to fall back on, which I never thought I would. Not that I didn't want to, but it just never... Mm. Like I wrote jokes about it, like mm. being, a, being an electrician. <laughs> you and can't being,
2: foresee a, a pandemic. <laughs> no, you can't really, to be fair. You oh. can't really,
3: to be fair. And I used to have material about my dad saying, when I got the job, take it, take it, take it, take mm. it. And then I took it. You'll never be out of work. And then I'd be like, here I am now in a comedy club with a microphone. And I did jokes like that for years, like, you know, <laughs> had a great time. But he was right. Yeah. He was actually right because I'm back working now. Mm. Uh, we pushed on we said we moved back to ireland anyway pandemic or no pandemic didn't look like the gigs were coming up at all and it was a bit of a different like i envisaged myself moving back to ireland touring full time flying to england seven or eight times a year going to australia doing my other little gigs and but we moved back to ireland and me and my wife didn't have a job like mm. we were living in my mum's house in one bedroom with our kids like and i was like this is not how mm. i fucking imagined it at all yeah. And I did have the trade to fall back on, but for a while, for a couple of months, I didn't think I was going to get work Yeah. because there's a 12-year gap in my CV mm. where I haven't done any electrical work, and it's very hard to explain comedy. Yeah. It is a job, but people just go, he tells jokes for a living, but it's not. It's like you tell jokes. It's
2: not a real job like the that's, that's what they wrong. think. That's yeah. what
3: they think. But it is, there's a lot of, you tell jokes, you have to do your fucking admin is an awful lot of travelling you could be driving fucking 20,000 miles a year like mm. you could be in mm. an airport every second week you could be on mm. a train you have to write a show do all your tax returns you have to do your website you can, you, you're you probably getting an idea with doing this even yeah, I know. you have to do your poster designs Jeez, yeah. you have yeah. to do even submitting these things sometimes could be a day just submitting your show to a festival yeah. you know there would be a whole day's work in it
2: and if things go well there's a day's work in it and if there's complications yeah. there's more
3: absolutely yeah and there's even the writing of the material like like the everyman's a big one you go there's a big payday there but before that there's a year of writing there's oh. a year of like you wouldn't be writing every day now all day but like when my I used to mind my kids during the day and my wife had a day job fuck so when the kids were napping i'd be writing for an hour or doing a little bit then you get to train into London and you'll be trying out your little five minutes material. This is all for nothing, like mm. back out again and slowly putting the hour together for the everyman the next year. But you can't go into that much detail on a CV, really. You're like, I did yeah. comedy for a year, for 12 years professionally. Mm. And I was, when I was in my mum's house, there was no one getting back to me at all from any fucking companies. And I was like, this isn't going to happen. Like, mm. I'm not going to get any work. But luckily, I. Got a, I got onto a fella and between the jigs and the reels, like between knowing people and knowing someone that was in the company that I did my time with, I eventually got, got back in there, like, and I was petrified, absolutely petrified.
2: What was it like going back onto the a site after 12 years?
3: Oh, fucking... I, was, I didn't sleep at all. The night before, I actually literally couldn't sleep. I mean, I wasn't even that nervous when I did yeah. my first day of work. I wasn't even that nervous, like... I was mm. like, you know. Now, my first day's work was in Gormanstown, County Mead. I got my electrical apprenticeship. I was working in the English market. And someone... I got my job anyway. And they said, oh, you're starting on Monday. And I was like, brilliant. And this is like in the year 2000. They're like, "Where? where is it? And I was like, it's in Gormanstown, County Mead. And I was like, fuck it. Gormanstown, County <laughs> Mead. No motorways now or anything. And I don't know how this happened, but my fucking... My mother was delighted I got a trade. Like, you know, so... And the Monday morning, I was supposed to meet a fella in Douglas uh four o'clock in the morning. Get in his car, drives the Garmin's, and come to meet. And somehow, I had a knock yet 5210, which never goes dead. Mm. Somehow, it went dead during the night. My alarm didn't go off. <laughs> and my mother burst into the room going, You fucking missed your fucking lift. And I turned it on. I'd loaded miss calls. Oh, and for fuck's sake. So I had to end up getting a train to Dublin and then a train from Connolly as well up to leak or something like that and then a bus and I was late by oh, about four hours oh for fuck's sake and I was a scrawny little young fella like I was like a little fucking twig and I had big massive fucking safety boots on and I had a retainer for uh, keep my teeth together like that like you know they were like they were looking at me going I'm not even going to give him a hard time to be honest he's <laughs> yeah, grand rough hour, he's yeah. grand you're, you're late and I was a wiry little fucker like I used to box and everything and that's yeah, why I, had I
2: remember to run... you boxing and running yeah. and stuff around that. yeah I love that.
3: running still love yeah. running but uh, even that day, I felt more nervous going back as a grown man. And I didn't think I would be, but I was fucking petrified going onto that building site. Because mm. in my head, I was like, fuck, what if you forgot something? And in my head, I thought I had to know everything about electricity and everything about everything in case I was asked to do anything. Mm. Forgetting that there's plenty of tradesmen that go, oh, i never done that before, or I know, I this know. is my first time doing it. But so for a f- couple of weeks, actually, I'd say even when I was in the keynote doing that gig, I was. It was all I could think about was work and how what I'm going to do next. Now in, in the job, I couldn't even sleep at night, even when I was home. And it was it was going absolutely fine. Yeah. There was nothing wrong. I was going, I'll go there now and I'll do that. And I yeah. think it was from 15 years of being self-employed and having to do absolutely everything and think. Yeah. you know, I can relate to that. Yeah, it
0: big time because I would have been of the trade as well. Mm. Last time I picked up a hammer really was back in 2007 or 8. And then to be away from it for so long and go back into tools then in late 2014. Yeah. After being away from it for maybe six or seven years, you know, that little bit of confidence isn't there it's anymore. not there at all, no. And you're waiting for someone to say, come here, what, what are you? You're not an electrician or yeah. you're not an accountant at all, you know? No. It's, I, it's, I, yeah.
3: And there's no one against you. But in yeah. your own head, you're like... Fuck. Perfectionist, isn't it? A
2: yeah. little bit, yeah.
3: yeah. And I was like, and it was all very weird because before I even got the job... I had to do the safe pass and all that so I was lo- I was, like putting money into it mm. and going I didn't even know if I'm going to get something and then the fellow opened the safe pass I walked up to the safe pass and he was like Chris Kent and I was like yeah I was like how oh, do you know Like I didn't say my name or anything yet and he was like oh you're a comedian and he was asking me for a selfie. And I'm I mean, 15 years. <laughs> I'm 15 years doing stand up comedy, and I don't think I've ever got asked for a selfie in my life. <laughs> and next thing, I, I, I fucking comedy collapses, and I'm doing a safe pass, and there's a fella asking me for a selfie. And I'm going, I'm never going to do comedy again, and this fella's asking me for fucking selfies. <laughs> oh, for fuck's
1: sake. <laughs> and then sake. it was like, on
3: the building site, then it was like everyone was sound. There was one or two fellas going to tell us a joke kind of thing, and yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, for fuck's sake. But, uh, but no. Um, I fucking love it. Genuinely, it took me a couple of weeks to get back into it. Um, but like I said to you before, the comedy completely took over my life. There was no time I. Ne- I always thought about comedy, mm. and even when the most shit thing was happening, horrible shit happening, I'd be like mining it for. Even if I wasn't actively writing it down on paper, in, it would be going into my head, moving around, going. Like a joke I remember, oh yeah, <laughs> I remember our honeymoon was falling to shit. It was in pieces there was stuff going wrong the whole time and we were like furious but in the back of my head I was going this is going to be very good was <laughs> <laughs> a good show in this I'd say um, oh, God. but like it was good you know I, I think uh, it was good to have that break this is the longest I've gone not thinking of comedy mm.
2: So I was, you have you have, your, you have your nine to five. Yeah, my nine to five And now, I'd say your family are happy with it. Like delighted.
3: Well. Absolutely delighted. And mm. it was a big adjustment, but uh, mm. they're fucking delighted. And I'm very fortunate to have it to fall back on. Mm. But like before that, 15 years, I'd say when my kids were born and when I got married, there was probably a day or a couple of hours where I didn't think of comedy or it mm. wasn't in my mind, you know? Mm. And it's good now to step back and go, oh, God, you weren't... Uh, yeah. That wasn't great at all. That wasn't no. healthy at all.
2: Like, no. And all all your family want is your
3: time. That's all, oh, that's
2: exactly. That's all they want. They don't, yeah. they don't care about awards you get or nah. the capacities you sell out or tickets you've sold or shows you're writing. All they want is Chris, daddy that's and it. husband. Yeah, and yeah. that's what matters no, really. Like. A shit. Yeah. Uh, and they'd be the first to tell you Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. fucking will. Yeah. Yeah. We have yeah. a lot of people from Australia I watched the podcast, actually. who yeah. said you emigrated in 2007-2008. Like a lot of people yeah. from Cork. Um, Couldn't wait to get over And there. there's a lot of people still there. Yeah, there is, um, yeah. They're in their mid-thirties now, um, uh, early to mid-thirties now, and they like listen to the podcast just because the Cork accent is yeah. the taste of the home, so hi to everybody in Australia. Yeah, hello. I'm you sure know. you're well known uh, down there. Do mm-hmm. you ever think about going back there? They seem to be doing oh. well with we'll COVID. And-
3: yeah, I'd love to go back, but for me it's just a tiny bit too far. Mm. from family you know especially mm. with kids now and everything yeah, yeah. that was what I struggled with in England it was like even in England when I was touring in Ireland like I was fucking going to the airport picking my mum up she was coming over to babysit the kids and then I was fucking flying back to Ireland and I was missing my mum ma- I was seeing my mum for about a half an hour mm-hmm. or whatever you know um, but we did get that month in Australia there in January and it was brilliant yeah. totally different like me and Neve did it in 2007 and backpacker thing uh, great life like fucking drinking backpacking around Australia had the time of our lives like worked as an electrician there in Sydney travelled all around it worked as an electrician in part. Save up a bit of money travelled up the other coast and went to New Zealand and Asia on the way home had a fucking ball and some of my friends are still out there now that went out then Yeah. Uh, some of my friends in Cork and some of my friends in Dublin Yeah. hopefully they're listening yeah I met them actually I met a few of them out there in uh, in January. It was great to catch up with him. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. seen him since. Yeah. That's great. What was yeah. it like doing the Blind Boy podcast? It was good. It was brilliant, actually, yeah. yeah. I was go- I was... Like, I was a big fan of that as well. And I yeah. was going, like, oh, fuck it, I'm delighted. Now to get that. Mm. But... I'd say... The only thing is... It's on front. It was like 300 people there, like, you know. He's mm. very popular, like. He is, yeah. And I like him too. And like... Yeah. Yeah. We've been I've been
2: listening to Blind Boy since they were doing the fucking prank phone calls. Same, yeah, yeah. No, on MySpace. Yeah. I used to watch them on
3: MySpace. Yeah. My friend showed me their page and it was like all their four or five of their songs and their prank calls around there as well. Yeah. And I was like big fan of his. Yeah. And I met him a couple of times since, so I know yeah. I know him like. Yeah. And um not extremely well, yeah. but um I know him well enough.
2: I have this. I'd love to go on the podcast. On You'll if be brilliant. I'd love to the, hear you on it. Yeah, you answer to uh, me. He's very. uh <laughs> I, I often think if I was on his podcast now, especially a live one, because yeah. if sometimes I can get a small but in intellectual. But yeah. I know I get lost with him because he's so fucking intelligent. That's what I was nervous about. He, you get lost, wouldn't
3: you? you can
0: imagine yeah. me going on him, so James if James would get lost for him yeah. Yeah. I, 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 but I was yeah. nor,
3: I was really nervous about that because I don't mind listening to that right mm. I love sitting back listening to yourself and yourself and listening to blind boy and fucking but when it comes to engaging with it I wasn't great at school nor anything with it it's just like I wouldn't have the confidence in myself to articulate mm. and keep up you know mm. even though I still have this to this day even though I know the answer to something I know what it is I'm afraid sometimes to give it in case yeah. I'm wrong yeah. or chirping in yeah. case I make yeah. a fool of myself yeah. even yeah. even with this you know, you should be
2: kicking yourself then when I know the answer comes out and you know it but you never know, said yeah, it yeah <laughs> but
3: I'm like why the fuck was I just you know yeah. so the angle I took on that now was he took me on and he had a couple of um, questions from Twitter or whatever and they kind of related to my st- obviously people who know me asked them, mm. asked him about this and asked him about that and as soon as I got a la- a couple of laughs, I relaxed. Yeah, and I was, yeah. It wouldn't have been the most interesting podcast now, but it's very funny. Yeah, I was a whore for the laughter then. I was just like, that's the angle I'm playing now. <laughs> I couldn't give a fuck about <laughs> anything else. Yeah. And honest to God, it was the most crack-like. That's and I tough. really appreciate them having me on. And loads of people that were at the podcast then came to all my shows subsequently because of that. Yeah. And I could tell straight away, When I walked out in Australia, like I was doing my shows during the day, I was like, these are all from the Blind Boy podcast.
2: But isn't that the beauty about, like, uh, linking in with other artists? Like, when we appear on other people's podcasts and when I was on the Tommy Thiernes show, having you here now, like there's going to be, you're going to get more, uh, interest from people, that may have not heard you, but listen to us, exactly. and likewise, for yep. your followers, who are going to, oh Chris's podcast, let's watch this, or oh, who's the two nowadays, and yeah, that's, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's, um, it's great that we can all, kind of grow from each other, do you know? It is, yeah, yeah, um, definitely. What's the plans for the future, let's say, in a, in a perfect world? In a perfect world? No COVID. No COVID. Would you like to be back, full swing into the comedy?
3: Being honest, I like having, the job now, mm. and, um, in a perfect world, right? And I thought this before any pandemic. So when, last year when I was touring, I was talking to a fella. Uh, he was doing a few minutes before me down in Kilty, right? And I said, what I'd love to do, to be honest, is I'd love to move back to Ireland and do a bit of casual electrical work with a fella. Two or three days a week and then pick and choose the gigs I want to do. Because I had to do every gig under the sun, really. And gigs I didn't they didn't pay that well, but I was like, fuck it, I have to do them because this is all I'm dependent on. Mm. And I didn't enjoy enjoy them and I'd be spending weekends away from my family and you know, somewhere in the north of England or, you know, mm. and I was I didn't enjoy them particularly. So my, my dream back then was like, if I had a little bit of a cushion, if I was doing my electrical work two or three days a week and then gigging the rest of the time, that would be my ideal situation. And I think it still is, mm-hmm. but I'm more full time now, electrical. I can easily do comedy Fridays and Saturday nights. I did it before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I got, hopped in the car after work. I was in fucking Wexford at fucking half six. I had time for food yeah. and then the gig, and I drove home, and it was grand. Yeah. So I think I'd like to hold on to the gig, hold on to the electrical work, pick the tour back up. And do my show in all the venues where it was cancelled. I'd love to reschedule all them. Add another couple in. And go back to England and do the gigs I enjoy at the weekends. There's yeah. a certain a few ones I really love. And in Scotland. And build more shows. Write another show for the following year. Maybe do a podcast. Maybe write something other than stand-up. Like I'm just trying time with yeah. the idea of... I don't know how to write scripts or anything like that. But I'm yeah. time with the, I have the ideas for it. Yeah. So, you know... Yeah, well, mm-hmm.
2: look, best of luck with all that. Thanks a we'll million. We'll be cheering yeah. you on from the sidelines and from the audience when we can. Yeah. Um, Any things you want to close off, Tim?
0: No. Good, I enjoyed it. I'd listen Nice hearty. I know your brother well. Oh, Anthony,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: yeah. know him well.
0: I know him well oh, myself. A nice guy. <laughs> um, Yeah. well myself.
2: great to have. it's great to have uh, somebody from Nat Nahini on yeah. um, the podcast, first yeah. and foremost, but also kind of being the champion of the area. A yeah, I love po- it. It's very positive uh, role model you are for people yeah. in the area, yeah. you know. And uh, I say you break a lot of stereotypes for people when you meet them because sometimes people have the idea, oh, he's from Knockneen, he's, meant to, he's meant to be tough That's and the thing, Yeah, and that's, not that you're not tough. But no, no, you know but what I know what, what you mean. The image. Fucking alive
3: jokes about it, and I never would shit on an area. I hate it when an act goes, oh, I'm from, yeah, Buzz area. Right, mind your handbags. That drives yeah, me mental. It's, cheap, isn't it? it's a little bit of like, <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. oh, come on, mate. They're not right. all. So I did jokes about Knocknahemey, but it's 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 about people's perception of Knocknahemey. Yeah. So yeah. it was people met me and went, "Will yeah. be grand, and Chris is from Knocknahemey." I'm like, "I don't fucking yeah. fight at all. Yeah. What are you talking <laughs> about?" Do you know that? Um,
2: do you know that? Uh, Politician, torn TV presenter, Yates? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, TV Three, Virgin Media, and that, but. Um, he quit the Tonight Show anyway, but I was glad came back to give him a sports show he would Robbie Keane on recently right. and he says to Robbie Keane uh, Robbie what about that celebration where you do the, the, the tumble and then out the guns he says is that from your time with guns around Halle oh, and Robbie sorry, was like Fox, eh? the worst joke ever do yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah. Robbie was like Christ fucking hell <laughs> Just because you're from Tallaght, you know. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, do, that's an get, example. You get that, slung with that, and I,
3: it was weird, the weird thing was, I used to box, and they never said, "Oh, he used to box." They'd go, "Oh, he's from Knocknahinney," he is above that. That kind of was like a double insult to me, like you know. I was like, wasn't that bad at uh, boxing? Like
2: you've uh, you've a choice between two people who're going to get a beating off: the yeah. professional boxer, the fellow from that Yeah, to be the yeah. Boxer. yeah, yeah,
3: anytime. <laughs>
2: but uh, look, thanks for coming on the podcast. Ah, thanks, uh, thanks for, for luck, having me. Best of luck with everything, and uh Cheers. Hi to all Chris's followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope you enjoy the, rest of the podcast. Thanks for having me, lads. Fair play. See you next week, lads. Uh, yeah, see you later. <laughs>